When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome. This is the Futures Focus podcast, courtesy of Prospects 1500. I am your host, Alex Sanchez, and I am joined today by my co-host, David Gasper. Go ahead and say hello to the people, David. How's it going, man? Doing, <laughs> Go- <laughs> it's going good, you know? Yeah, we're hanging in there. Um, we have a great show today. We have David's top 50 list of the Milwaukee Brewers to go over. We also have a a guest on today, Daniel Victor, who is our White Sox correspondent. So we have the Chicago White Sox top 50 list to go over. We have some news and notes and all that good stuff. So it's going to be a fantastic show. Thank you for tuning in and listening from wherever you're at right now. We really appreciate it. So David, you ready to get going? I'm ready. All right, let's do it. Okay, for our news and notes, we don't have a ton to go over. It wasn't a huge prospect-filled week of news, except for one major trade that was near and dear to my heart, and that was the Padres trading for Joe Musgrove in a three-team deal, actually, in which the Pirates get some major prospects from the Padres, and of course, I am the Padres correspondent, so... I know these guys fairly well, but the prospects going over to the Pirates were outfielder Hudson Head, reliever David Bennar, left-handed pitcher Omar Cruz, and right-handed pitcher Drake Fellows. And if you have followed anything that I have done on our site here on Prospects 1500, you know that I am the head driver of the Hudson Head bandwagon. So needless to say, I am devastated to see him get out of the Padres system. Um, Again, I'm not necessarily a Padres big league club fan. They're not my favorite team as a, you know, as a casual fan. I love their prospects though. And I love having content to write about. And Hudson Head was absolutely, literally my favorite prospect in the system, especially after they traded away pretty much everybody else uh, in prior deals. So Hudson Head goes to the Pirates. Um, He is fantastic. In my book, he's a five-tool potential player. He is a very, very young. He got an invite to the big league camp for the 60-man for this 2020, so he got some really good exposure to advanced pitching. He put on a little bit of weight. He's got speed. He's got great bat speed as well. His power is developing, and I just love his potential as a fantasy asset. Um, So I am devastated to see him go. yeah. <laughs> Anything to add to Hudson Head? I don't know if there's a, a bigger Hudson Head fan on the planet than me, but um, anything to add to the Hudson he- Head train there? Yeah, I think when it comes to 
you know, being devastated about the trade. I think as a Brewers fan, I'm more devastated that Hudson Head is coming into the NL Central and joining the Pirates. <laughs> you is, should. Just, just as much as you are devastated that, that he's leaving the Padres. I mean, yeah, really good prospect. Left-handed hitter, just 19 years old. You know, third-round pick back in 2019. You know, a lot to like about him. Like I said, five-tool player. You know, could get a lot of stolen bases, can get on a lot. He, he's going to hit some power. Uh, re- really good hitter. And yeah, he, he's really just kind of headlining a really uh, big trade. And, you know, it's, it's starting to be a really strong farm system there for, for the Pirates. They, they've added, you know, a couple of guys there from the Josh Bell trade. Yep. They got Cabrian Hayes. They got Nick Gonzalez. They, they got a really good system over there in Pittsburgh that, you know, at some point soon um, may be turning into some positivity for the big league club but as for right now the pirates are still kind of the the yes. cellar dwellers in the yeah. central yeah their their big league roster is a mess right now but like i i totally agree with what you said there their system is improving which is going to happen when you trade your best players i'd hope um but they didn't just get hudson head they also got a couple of other interesting guys they're not nearly on the level as of hudson head in my opinion i had hudson head at number three on my rankings going into um, my my uh, rankings are released in a couple of days, actually. So I had to make some changes here. But uh, yeah, I had Hudson Head at number three. I was he wasn't tier one quite yet, but he was knocking on the door, in my opinion. Um, they also gave up David Benar, who is a reliever. He has some crazy strikeout uh, totals in the minors so far, but he is strictly a reliever at this point. He isn't too exciting, especially going over to Pittsburgh, unless he gets the closers role somehow there. Um, just an, I mean, they like him obviously if they traded for him, so he they might have a role in mind for him. Omar Cruz is probably the second best piece in this trade. Uh, he is a left-handed pitcher, a good strike thrower, good, very young pitcher. I think that he was. Uh, I'd have to take a look at my rank. I should have had him up, but he was going to be in the twenties. I believe for me, maybe even a little bit higher than that. I, I like him and Drake fellows wasn't on my top 50. He is more of a organizational depth piece. In my opinion, he has some college experience at Vanderbilt, but nothing that jumps off of the page that suggests he do, you know, a fantasy career for you. So uh, fellows is more of a throw in for me. Uh, overall, in my opinion, you know, I get why the Padres are doing this deal. Joe Musgrove is a good pitcher. He is going to be really nice to have if you have him for fantasy purposes in that ballpark in San Diego. But to me, I would not have given up Hudson Head, let alone three, uh, three other prospects for this deal. So I do apologize to your brewers, David. Hudson Head will destroy you in about two to three years on a daily basis. <laughs> Similar to uh, Christian Yelich, actually. I think he has kind of that. That's, um, I mean, maybe oh, not. You, a, think, a ceiling, you think he's but. got a Christian Yelich vibe to him. Though. That's a pretty heavy comp right there. It's a heavy comp. No, it's it's more Grady Sizemore is my, my, oh. my ceiling. Uh, I just wanted to see if you were still with me. But uh, <laughs> I love Christian. I don't think he's. He's going to be that good, obviously, but yeah. I do think that, uh, you know, the speed power is there. So bad trade if you're uh, a Brewers or a Padres fan in my book. But uh, some other news as well. We had a, a very minor trade compared to that one in terms of prospects, and that was C.J. Chatton going to the Phillies for a player to be named later. He was a Red Sox prospect, a little bit on the older side, 
I had liked him a few years ago, but he never managed to make his way up to the big league club. And I believe he wasn't even on the 40 man. Uh, so to see him dealt for a player to be named later shows you kind of where the Red Sox viewed him. Any thoughts on that minor deal? Yeah, Chatham's a guy whose stock has really kind of fallen in the last like year or so. Even with you know the Red Sox kind of having a need at his position there, they didn't call him up. Um, so it's really just kind of a sign that you know I think maybe he just needed a change of scenery and perhaps he can get back to that um, high prospect status and, and turn things around with the Phillies and maybe just needed a new place to go. And, and that happens from time to time with players and. You know, hopefully for, for C.J. Chatham, that, that ends up being the case going to Philly. Yeah, he's 26 already. That's really old in our prospect circles. He's had a uh, 298 career minor league batting average with not a lot of power or speed. So fantasy-wise, not a guy you're probably too interested in. But if you like utility type of guys, maybe he's up your alley. But just wanted to mention that trade. And then, of course, this last week we had the international signings take place. There was, you know, a, there's a lot to go over. And I just want to mention it in the news and notes. I believe we'll probably have a, a, an entire episode dedicated to those international signings at some point. But for now, we just don't know enough about them. I haven't seen enough about them. Uh, so I just wanted to mention that to to our audience here. So. Let's just get on with the good stuff, huh? How about your Milwaukee Brewers? Do you want to get into that? Yeah, man, I'm ready. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the Brewers system. The Milwaukee Brewers Top 50 Farm System, as written up by David Gasper. David, do you have an intro that we should know about for the system? Well, this system is one that I think routinely gets looked down upon as, as being one of the worst in baseball. And I, I think that's a little bit of an unfair assessment. Uh, I mean, th there's not much in terms of uh, older talent that's, you know, at AAA or, or big league ready right now. But there's a lot of young talent that the Brewers have added to the system over the last two years or so that is, is really exciting. There's a lot of potential with all of them, but they're all pretty far down in, in the lower levels of the minors, you know, having most recently played in, in rookie ball or in low A or high A or you know, some of these guys maybe haven't even, you know, officially played in any professional games. Um, so it's a system that's it's certainly up and coming. Um, as a way to put it, but there's a lot of um, pretty interesting, pretty exciting talent uh, farther down in the system. But, you know, come 2023, maybe um, we, we could be looking at this as, as one of the best systems or one of the better systems in baseball. Yeah, I think the fact that you have your 2020 draft pick as your number one already shows you kind of what you're talking about, right? A lot of infusion of new talent. Mm -hmm. So I do see, though, Garrett Mitchell in your Tier 1. I don't know my thoughts about that, so convince me why he's a Tier 1 player. Well, Garrett Mitchell, I, I, I think, you know, like you were talking about there with Hudson Head earlier about thinking that he's a five-tool player. I mean, Garrett Mitchell's a guy that I think is a, a five-tool center fielder. He's going to be able to stick in center going forward. He's got... Great speed, 80 grade speed, uh, 
an above average, really strong bat. You know, did a great job as a leadoff hitter at UCLA, and he's got plenty of raw power. He he's shown it in batting practice. He's he hasn't been able to tap into it in games, but that was also partly because he was in the leadoff role at UCLA. They did not want him. They did not want him going for home runs. They wanted him just trying to slap singles and, and doubles and and getting on base. So, you know, if the Brewers are able to tap into that power, you've got a guy with, you know, a plus hit tool and he's got plus raw power. So, you know, th- those two tools being plus a- along with his double plus speed uh, and strong defense out in center, there is a lot to like about him. You get that. You get that home run, that power potential, and he's probably the heir apparent to Lorenzo Cain in 2023, and he gets that power. He's he's probably a, an all-star player year in and year out, in, in my opinion, because he's got those five tools. He's a strong defender out there in, in the middle of the outfield, so there is a ton to like about him. He was one of the top-ranked players going into that draft. He fell all the way down to 20 simply because uh, he has type 1 diabetes. But that's something that he's been able to manage since he was nine years old. Uh, the Brewers have known him for several years, and, and they're quite comfortable with him and, and his ability to manage it. And it really shouldn't be impacting him that much on the field. Okay, I think I'm convinced. He sounds a lot like the guy we talked about last week in Corbin Carroll. What are your thoughts on that comp? I mean, I, I, I can see it. I mean, they, they both have really strong hit tools, both have power that – you know, they can really develop into a plus tool, uh, can stick in center. So, I mean, they're really two very interesting players and two guys that, you know, could be kind of the future in center field in in baseball going forward. But, yeah, Mitchell's a guy that, that I certainly like and, and think is going to be um, a, a very good player for the Brewers down the road. Yeah, I think that power is the key to – your tier one uh, ranking being accurate. If that shows up, then I think you're absolutely on point. After Garrett Mitchell, you skip to the tier two, and you have Hedbert Perez and Bryce Terang. Those two guys I see often flipped in some uh, some publications, and then others will have it how you have it. I personally do like Hedbert uh, above uh, Bryce Trang, but what were your reasonings for the decision there? So really for me, you know, I went back and forth a couple of times on Perez and Terang, uh, two and three, and I ended up deciding on Perez simply because, you know, at full maturity, Hedbert Perez is a five tool guy. He has that power potential. He has that power ability. Bryce Terang, he doesn't really have the power. He, he doesn't put, he's not going to put up home run numbers, uh, he's he's got below average power. He might have some you know sneaky pop, something that he can tap into, but he's never going to have anything more than than average power at best. So because Perez has five tools and the ability to stick in center, and Terang has four tools, I, I went with Hedbert, and I, I just straight up love Hed, Hedbert Perez. Like every time I see something about him, every time um, I, I read something, see a video, whatever, I just get more and more excited about the kid. Like, he's got such a beautiful swing, especially for a 17-year-old. Left-handed hitter, got great bloodlines. His dad played in the big leagues for a couple of years. You know, he's just, he, he was dominating at the alternate training site. He was facing guys that were, you know, five, six, seven years older than him. He, he's facing, you know, AAA big league level pitching. 
and and he was hitting home runs. He was getting extra base hits. He was he was getting on base. He was working walks. Like it, it was incredible to to see how he performed there. And you know, Hedbert Perez is a guy that I think you know in the near future could end up being a tier one guy. He he could end up being the top prospect in this system. I'm incredibly excited about him. I, I think Brewers fans should be incredibly excited about him. There is a lot to like with, with his talent, with his potential. And, you know, it, it's just the only thing holding him back right now, at least for me, from putting him in tier one is the fact that, I mean, he hasn't played in any official games. He was a 2019 international signee. He didn't play in the DSL that year, didn't get any official games in this year, but he was at the alternate training site. He was at instructional league. And I think when we get some stats from him and he starts playing in official games, you know, this year and the year afterwards, he could be someone that that trends up quickly um, and perhaps could even move relatively quickly throughout the farm system. You know, very mature kid, great character, great makeup, uh, strong work ethic, all things that are going to help him uh, dominate in the minor leagues and, and work his way up, hopefully quickly through the Brewers minor league system. Great. Yeah, I think. If, if there was some stats on this guy, he would definitely be on everybody's radar. But perhaps a guy that you could get still for relatively cheap in your dynasty leagues. I think he's. A yeah, if guy. you haven't picked him up by now and he's available like on like like he's just available, not signed by anyone else. Go and get him. Yeah. Yeah. And get, invite get me to your league. Before everyone else knows about him. Yeah, and invite me to your fantasy league too if he's still available <laughs> in your dynasty league. Um, okay, so a couple of guys. I wanted to mention uh, our pitchers. You actually have four of the next five ranked um, in your tier two, our pitchers, two of which uh, I've, I've kind of grown. They've grown on me, if you will, the last couple of months after they were uh, drafted. And that is Ethan Small, left-handed pitcher, and Antoine Kelly. Yep. Uh, what do you think about those two guys? Have they made some improvements or am I just crazy? No, they, they've made plenty of improvements. Um, Ethan Small, he added a slider this year. Uh, he came into spring training, said that he, that he had a slider now in his mix. And uh, throughout the alternate training site, he was able to refine that slider, make it better, um, and, and really just kind of refine all of his, his off-speed pitches. And, you know, reports were that, you know, he did extremely well there, maybe gaining a tick or two in velocity, not that much. Um, but you know, he, he's still not going to be a, a super high velo guy, but yeah, Ethan small, I think he's got a very high floor as, as a mid or as a back end starter could be a, a number three or number four potentially. Um, but yeah, a lot to like with, with Ethan small, uh, he can move rather quickly throughout the system and, you know, he could probably be in Milwaukee in 2022. He, he may be able to come up in September this year, uh, depending on how things go. But, yeah, he's someone that, that can move rather quickly and, and help out this Brewers team um, in the near future. Meanwhile, Antoine Kelly is a bit more of a project. They they, bet, they drafted these two guys back-to-back in 2019, uh, Small in the first round, Kelly in the second. And Kelly is your high-velocity thrower that's a huge project. Uh, the Brewers knew that. He's raw. Um but there is a ton of potential with him, you know, potential upside maybe as a number two starter uh, going forward. But there's a whole lot of reliever risk. But all the reports out of uh, the alternate site and out of out of Instructs was 
extremely positive. All of his like his off-speed pitches, his his changeup, his slider improved dramatically. Uh, they're now you know effective quality pitches that, that he can have. They, that gives him a three-pitch arsenal, uh, so he can stick as a starter. You know his chances you know may have gone from five percent to to 15 or 20 percent to stick as a starter but it's a big improvement he's got a long ways to go but having that solid three pitch mix um and just kind of improving in in every aspect improving and holding on runners and improving in his command and improving in you know knowing those pitches and being able to throw them consistently uh which has been one of the big issues for him coming out of out of the draft was consistently throwing those off-speed pitches you know, now that he's shown an ability to do that a lot more, uh, there's a lot to like with Antoine Kelly. And it, it's just going to be watching and, and seeing how he progresses and, you know, if the numbers will back it up in the 2021 season. But all all reports are things are tracking well for Antoine Kelly to remain as a starter. And he has pretty high upside there. So a lot to like about him. Yeah, I remember when... He was drafted. That was uh, mentioned as one of the best fastballs in the entire 2019 class. Um, and these are two guys that might not have been drafted in first year player drafts in 2019. And then, of course, we didn't get to see them in 2020. So they could still be out there on um, the waiver wire or the free agent list, whatever you want to call it. So they're, they're worth an idea uh, to monitor at the very least, if not pick up for those, you know, High-end pitching prospects are tough to to get. So um, well-spoken there. The last guy I wanted to mention on your tier two is Drew Rasmussen. I was surprised to see him that high. I'm not too familiar with him. What do you? What is this kid about? Yeah, so I love Drew Rasmussen. Um, he was a guy that in 2017, he was a first-round pick by the Rays. Uh, he had to undergo Tommy John surgery. So the Rays did not sign him, went back to school, uh, didn't play that year. Cause again, Tommy John surgery, the Brewers got him in the sixth round. Um, and he's been a quick riser ever since. I mean, he, he's a first round talent, got him for a steal there in the sixth. And he, um, jumped up through three minor league levels in 2019. And he came on in the Brewers bullpen and, and pitched pretty well. Uh, in 2020, and he's a guy that I think could be a closer in the future. I, I think he's got that that potential, that talent. He's got a big fastball, 98 miles an hour. Got a nasty slider. You know, had a little bit of a of a rough patch in 2020, small sample sizes, but you know, he's a guy that can be a closer. And you know, even though he's been a starter before, he was a starter throughout the minor leagues, and, and he dominated there. He's had two Tommy John surgeries. You know, he had that, that one there in college, and he also had another one, I believe, in high school was his first one. So I don't think he's going to handle a starter's workload uh, going forward. But he can be a you know eighth inning, a, a ninth inning guy in, in the back end of the Brewers bullpen for for several years to come, and, and could pair well, could pair extremely well with Devin Williams in, in the back end of that uh, Brewers bullpen. Okay. He is 25, a little, little older, but he's pretty much ready. So that's interesting as well. Yeah. A guys yeah he, he's ready. He He's one of the few guys at the top of this um, Brewers system that that's actually, you know, big league ready and, and can contribute. 
And I think if, if it was a full season in 2020, he would have hit that 50 inning uh, limit so that he wouldn't have made this list. But yeah, he's someone that is ready to add a, you know, impact value right now. And I, I think he's going to be a key part of this Brewers bullpen uh, in 2021 and beyond. Great. Just wanted to mention to Aaron Ashby, Marco Feliciano, also in your tier two. We, uh, we don't have time to mention all 50 unless you wanted this to be uh, a six hour podcast. So we have to move on <laughs> at some point. Uh, let's go on to your tier three. I'm going to give you a couple of names here. I want you to tell me, uh, give me one or uh, give me one guy out of this, this trio of names I'm going to give you that you want to talk about. Um, you have Tristan Lutz, who has been around forever, it seems like. Uh, you have Zach Brown and you have Peyton Henry. Give me something about one of those guys. Yeah, so Tristan Lutz is a guy that, you know, I've liked for a while. I mean, he was a high school bat, um, a, a high school power bat pretty much in, in 2017 when he was drafted. So, you know, it seems like he's been, you know, near the top of these lists for a while. And, and power bats are, you know, a bit slower to develop because, you know, you got to, you generally have strikeout issues to work with and you got to get them to, you know, try to hit a little bit more so that they can tap into that power more often. Uh, so, you know, he's someone that, you know, I, I think normally I would have had much higher and, and in the past I've had much higher. Um, but with uh, the, the reports that I saw out of the alternate training site and, you know, just trying to like read between the lines of what they were saying, you know, it didn't sound like he was, you know, taking too many big steps forward, um, you know, still kind of dealing with the same things. And I'm not sure if he progressed that much in, in his development this year. And, you know, perhaps he was one that really just kind of needed actual games and, and actual playing time to uh, be able to improve. Whereas guys like Antoine Kelly could, you know, they really took advantage of the fact that they didn't have to worry about stats and, and could just focus on uh, developing their stuff. So Lutz is a guy that, that I like, and perhaps he could be a candidate for the Brewers roster uh, next year in 2022. But we'll, we'll still need to see that power continue to, to flush itself out. It, there's plenty of it in there, um, but he just needs to continue to make more contact and, and tap into that power. I also notice here in your tier three, we have four catching prospects, and that's not including Marco Feliciano. So. Five Mario. catching Mario. Sorry, my my apologies. Uh, that's five catching prospects in your top twenty. That's that seems like a lot. Um, yeah. I'm, assu- I'm assuming Feliciano's your favorite, obviously. But of those other groups, are they close together? Is one more of a backup, a defensive guy? Does one have maybe more fantasy potential? Give me one of those catchers that you you want to talk about. Yeah, so the Brewers, um, they have been hoarding catchers uh, like a miser uh, um, over the past <laughs> couple of years. I mean, they've drafted a catcher um, within the first uh, 10 rounds in each of the past four or five drafts, I think. Um, you know, you got Feliciano there at five, and I, I think he's probably the Brewers catcher of the future. Uh, I, I think possibly starting in 2022, Feliciano could be the guy in the Brewers lineup. But there's a lot of, of interesting guys in, in this next tier. Uh, you got Peyton Henry, who's drafted also in 2016, along with Feliciano a couple rounds later. You know, he's a guy that he's probably going to be more of a backup, very strong defense kind of guy. He's got power, but he only hits about 240. Um, so he, he, he doesn't really hit that well. Um, 
So he, he's more likely a backup going forward. Uh, then at 15, you got Hefferson Cuero, who was a 2019 international signee. Uh, he's just 18 years old, showed up at Instructional League uh, this past year, and there is a very high ceiling with Hefferson Cuero. And I know Baseball America had him in their top 10. You know, he's a guy that I think down the road could be a big fantasy value. Um, but, I mean, a strong defender behind the plate, cannon for an arm. He's got power and advanced approach of offensively. He can hit the ball to all fields. A good contact hitter. So he's someone that, that can put up the stats um, and, you know, really could be a big prospect for the Brewers going forward. But as of right now, is just 18 years old, hasn't had any official games, but he's someone to keep an eye on and someone with a very high ceiling. Then in the, the next group of catchers here, you got Xavier Warren, just drafted in the third round this past year, was an infielder at Central Michigan. Now he's kind of moving back to catcher and you know, the, the Brewers believe that he's got the ability to stick there defensively, and it's going to maximize his offensive potential. He's got a big bat, um, plus grade, 55-grade uh, bat. Um, that, that's really kind of his carrying tool and what the Brewers drafted. You know, he may not stick a catcher in the long run, but with, with his bat, he should be able to make, make an impact somewhere uh, at the big league level. And then you got Nick Kale, uh, fourth-rounder back in 2019. You know, another guy that I think is a good bet to make the big leagues, maybe just as a backup, but, you know, he's got a strong throwing arm, a great glove, uh, and someone with a, a pretty good approach at the plate as well, and, and some more power. Um, he can draw his walks. So they they have a lot of catchers, mm-hmm. and, and the Brewers have, I think, six catchers on their 40-man roster currently. Um, they have a large number in their minor league system. It, it's a huge focus for the organization, and it's something that it, it gives them a very strong group here um, in, in the middle of this uh, Brewers farm system ranking. Awesome. Okay, let's go ahead and speed it up a, a little bit as we get towards the bottom of our system because we also have the White Sox to go over. So let's go in a kind of a speed round. Um, give me. Let's see. Uh, let's give me uh, one sentence about these guys as I mentioned them. You think you can handle that? <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. We'll see. I, I, you might get so excited you might go to two. But let's try to keep it to one sentence. All right. Uh, give me number 21 on your list, Hayden Cantrell. Uh, switch hitter with, with a lot of good tools, good speed, kind of a slow starter in, in college, but is someone that uh, should really perform uh, pretty well and, and might outperform his draft position. Um, and stick as a leadoff hitter going forward as he makes it to the big leagues. Beautiful. Thomas Dillard. Lots of power, switch hitting catcher, and he's someone that's, you know, is really going to. Uh, I'm already going past these sentence. One sentence there. <laughs> <laughs> Can I right there. Switch hitting catcher with power. That's what, what I want. Not to that's, like? that's what I want. The more the the shorter you keep it, the more we can get to. So uh, number 27, Max Lazar. Doesn't have much velocity, but you know, pitchability guy and great control, good changeup, uh, type of guy that the Brewers like. Major leaguer already at number 33, Tyrone Taylor. Probably a backup outfielder. You know, he's he's been a, around for a while, but he's he's going to be the the number four guy in Milwaukee most likely. How the mighty have fallen at 37, Corey Ray. 
injuries have just derailed him. He really hasn't been able to hit that well. Power speed potential, but just strikes out a lot and doesn't hit enough and likely a fourth outfielder going forward. And finally, the last one we'll do before I let you pick your uh, topic of choice for your tier five, Phil Bickford. You know, he's an interesting bullpen piece uh, going forward, just probably a mid-level or or a middle relief arm uh, at some point going forward. Beautiful. All right. Yeah, that was great. Um, I I wish we could talk about all these guys because there's a lot in here that seem to uh, be very interesting. So if we didn't get to anybody today, go ahead and take a look at your full list on prospects1500.com. They can go ahead and you have some, some Twitter videos on there as well. So it's a great read. I suggest doing this every day to every single one of our systems. But um, give me one last prospect. It could be in the tier five if you want it. It could be somebody that we haven't mentioned, just somebody that you uh, you wanted to mention that we haven't so far. David Hamilton uh, at 29. He was a very good player in college for the University of Texas. Uh, he tore his Achilles prior to his junior year. The Brewers drafted him in the eighth round. Um, and he's someone that uh, coming back from injury, he could very well outperform his draft position. He played in the Constellation Energy League in Texas this past summer. He hit 296, and in 27 games, he stole 20 bases and was caught zero times. He's a, he's a speedster. He's a you know on on base threat, and he could you know be a leadoff hitter going forward. And you know as a college bat, he could advance pretty quickly throughout this minor league system. And I, I really like David Hamilton and think he's going to uh, be an interesting player going forward. Great. Fantastic. All right. Thank you, David. That was a, a lot of great information there. Again, check out the top 50 list in its entirety on Prospects 1500. Thank you. Um, that was amazing. Shall we uh, move on to our Chicago White Sox? Let's do it. Okay. We are going to be joined here in a minute by Daniel Victor. Um, So stay tuned, and here come the top 50 prospects for the Chicago White Sox. All right, joining us now is Daniel Victor. He is our Chicago White Sox correspondent. Uh, Daniel, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, man. Glad to be here. Yeah, we love your system. David and I have been talking about it a little off air about just how awesome your system is. I I personally like it because of the major league ready talent. Like these are guys that have already made their debut and there's guys that may, you know, just not even spend a day in the minors that start the season with you. So uh, I'm really excited. What do you like about this system, David? I mean, just kind of like what you're talking about there, the the major league readiness of a lot of these guys, a lot of um, top tier talent ready to really kind of produce. And I mean, with the White Sox, you know, being active in the offseason, they got a pretty exciting team heading into heading into 2021 here. Yeah, fun fact. I uh, I bet my buddy a, a trip to Vegas that the White Sox will get to the World Series within five years. So uh, you like those chances, Daniel? I'd say it's a no-brainer. He should <laughs> head now. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. Well, uh, let's just jump right into it. I'm going to give you a tough question. I was wondering this as soon as we got you confirmed on the podcast. You have one player to pick. You can pick Spencer Torkelson 
or you can pick Andrew Vaughn. Who are you taking? I have to be a homer and say Vaughn, but flip a coin. <laughs> Good. Be disappointed. Beautiful. Tell us why Andrew Vaughn is the choice. Well, he's uh, he's got a major league ready bat. You know, all he needs is maybe a few repetitions in the minors, but the swing is pretty uh, pretty perfect from a from a mechanical standpoint. He doesn't have any holes. He has a very uh, mature approach to uh, facing the hitters, and uh, you know, he's a hundred percent offensively driven for his for his profile, and he's pretty much ready to be there. It won't be long. So my question for you then with, with Vaughn is where does he really kind of fit with this White Sox team? Cause you got Jose Abreu under contract for the next couple of years at first base. You got Eloy Jimenez as the DH. Where, where is Andrew Vaughn going to get his at bats uh, with the White Sox? If he's going to be ready this soon, I'm just kind of curious how he fits into this roster. Well, Eloy is going to stay uh, as the primary left fielder. And, uh, oh, okay. And Abreu's, what, 33 or 34. So uh, it won't be long until he needs occasional spelling and um, and Vaughn can be the primary DH. But, yeah, no, you're absolutely right as far as he's kind of in a pickle from uh, he's kind of being blocked. You know, the thing about Vaughn and Torkelson, too, I was watching these guys, their swing is just so simple, and yet the power is there. And it's really, really rare that you find that. So I'm excited to see Vaughn. One guy that I think basic people, not the people that listen to this, this podcast, but basic people out there are forgetting about flamethrower Michael Kopech. Could you give a little bit of details on why he opted out? What can we expect? Do you think it was a good idea, a bad idea? Give us the lowdown on Michael Kopech. My understanding is that he opted out because he was returning from, you know, Tommy John surgery and he was worried about the uh the accelerated spring training and the potential effect it could have on his arm now I don't know that that's been confirmed or not confirmed but that was my understanding um but yeah that's a guy that takes excellent excellent care of his body he's a gym rat total workout fanatic you know he throws he can throw a baseball through a brick wall um he has issues with command but his stuff is you know, unparalleled in the minors. And he could be, if he can harness his control and command, he could be an ace like nobody else. Yeah, and I think something that's interesting about uh, this White Sox system is that you got essentially two of these guys, two of these flamethrowers in tier one. You got Kopech there, and then you also got Garrett Crochet, first rounder uh, this past year, already jumped up to make his big league debut and, and really um, impressed in, in his uh, short amount of time uh, there at the big league level. But w- w- what do you see as the future for Crochet? Do you, th- do you think he is able to to be a starter going forward, or do you think he's going to be uh, a reliever, just an ace reliever going uh, into the future? I'm assuming that they drafted him to be a starter. Nobody really wants to take a you know an early first-round pick and use it on a relief pitcher. So I'm assuming that was the intent. But then he came in and, and dominated, and you know now he opened the door for that option as well. It'll be interesting to see whether they want to stretch him out or, and use him, uh, you know, whether he takes the the route like David Price did after coming up and dominating in the bullpen, and they switched him back to starting, or whether um, he takes the 
the route like Chapman, where he came out and dominated in the bullpen and stayed in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Kind of like your Josh Hader. Didn't Hader come up as a starter too, David? Yeah, yeah. Hader was a Hader was a starter most of the time throughout the minors. He had a changeup or whatever that was just kind of fringe average. Uh, but yeah, it just kind of came up as a reliever and they just decided to, to keep him there. Yeah. Interesting. Well, moving on to tier two, we also didn't mention Nick Madrigal. Uh, we, we can't mention everybody here. So our apologies. We'll give you a, a moment at the end to go over some uh, of the players that we skipped over, Daniel. But uh, into tier two, a guy that I was pretty surprised to see this high um, and I might mispronounce the last name, but Jonathan Stever or is it Stiver? It's Stever. Stever, yeah. What a jump for him uh, all the way up to number five. Is that is that my mind playing tricks with me or is that kind of where the drop off on the system is? No, I would say um, that's where he finished uh, the 2019 minor league season. He was shooting up everybody's list with a bullet. Um, but, yeah, the guy can he can pitch. He has a, he has a really good fastball. He has a, a potential for a plus slider and plus curveball. And uh, he has unbelievable control. I mean, he didn't show it in the majors, but he went straight from, you know, uh, from high A to the, the major leagues with a funky accelerated spring training. So, you know, it, we didn't see the real Jonathan Stever in his uh, two starts that he had. And one guy that, that we really kind of haven't seen, um, you know, maybe the real version of, uh, is is Micker Adolfo, who you have there at seven. I mean, he's been, you know, a pretty big prospect, you know, throughout the years. But, you know, he's been dealing with some injuries. And, you know, do, do you still see a, a pretty high uh, ceiling there for, for Adolfo to reach? Or is it coming down a little bit? It's probably come down because of all the injuries. I think I was looking at it. And uh, if you count all the injuries and missed games, he's probably missed three full seasons in his development. Um, but he probably has a hugest deviation too from floor to ceiling. I mean, his floor is major league bust doesn't, doesn't ever make it. And his ceiling is all-star right fielder. The guy can, when he hits a baseball, it knows it's been hit. That guy was the, uh, when he was down at Kannapolis in 2017 and when he really uh, broke out, he was the exit velocity King, um, he generated 110 plus exit velos with, with the regularity. And, um, he's also, he's got the body of a Greek God. He's got a cannon for an arm and, uh, but mostly he's mashed fastballs and, you know, and mistakes. He needed to work on his, uh, breaking ball recognition and, uh, you know, hone his approach. So he's always dealing with pitchers having to come to him with the fastball rather than, you know, getting him behind in the count and then, making him chase with the breaking stuff, but he's, he's really good. Wonderful. Let's move down a little bit. There's a couple of guys. I, I just, I can't believe I, I I'm skipping over and Jared Kelly and Gavin sheets, but I'm jumping down to this Jake Berger at third base and quite a feel good story. You, you mentioned a little bit uh, coming in at number 13 overall. Did you want to expand on that story a little bit? And uh, where does he fit in when we already have, you know, Andrew Vaughn in that little bit of a pickle moving forward. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what what they choose to do with Mr. Berger. But, um, you know, after 2017, when he debuted, he had started out invited to the uh, Major League Spring training in 2018. He uh, tore his Achilles. He was having a good spring 
already he was doing well. And uh, he tore his Achilles running out of a bang-bang play at first base. And uh, he had surgery to repair the Achilles. He was already working ahead of his rehab schedule. Um, and he was just walking, and it uh, tore again. Hmm. So he basically missed uh, two years. And then the COVID season came and, and forced him into missing a third. I mean, last year he was playing in the Car Shield, uh, Car Shield College League in Missouri near his hometown to get reps before they assigned him to the, uh, the White Sox remote site. But all the indications I've heard from his teammates was that he was, he looked really, really good in uh instructional league. I was told he looked really good at the remote site. And if you look at the videos posted on the article and his pictures, he looks fantastic. He looks like he's lost some weight. He looks, he looks very athletic. And that guy, um, they said that Nick Hostetler once said that uh, he could fall out of bed and hit. And I believe that to be the case. Yeah, you could always use more guys in your system that can just fall out of bed and hit. And yeah, Jake Berger, I mean, I, I remember he was a, he was a big uh, guy coming out of the draft a couple of years ago. And yeah, good to see him uh, getting back uh, on the upswing. So then just kind of jumping down into tier three here, uh, he started off with Blake Rutherford. You know, he was a former first round pick, 18th overall um, by the Yankees and, you know, has been traded and, you know, just really kind of, it doesn't seem like Rutherford has been living up to his, his first round status. I would say that's probably a fair assessment. Statistically, he has not set the world on fire, but uh, the reports are positive. But you always have to wonder when you're hearing reports from the team how much is of it is uh, salesmanship and how much of it is legitimate. And I always see this guy at right below Blake Rutherford. Uh, and I always think that they misspelled his name, but they didn't because it's obviously the same ever. Is it Benjamin or is it Benjamin? I believe it's Benjamin. Benjamin. Okay. Because it is spelled that way. Um uh, I'm just a little surprised on number 15. This is a guy that has some huge uh, potential tools here. And I was surprised to see you put him behind Blake Rutherford, who I who has been nothing but a disappointment. Can you uh, is 15 too low or am I uh, too high on Mr. Bailey there? Well, a lot of guys go to the DSL and tear the cover off the ball and come over in the tri-state side for the first time and, and flop. We've seen it time and time again. So I wanted to um, give Mr. Rutherford the benefit of the doubt based on the, the first round pedigree and, you know, the positive reports that he's hitting the ball with more backspin and uh, more power in the remote site. And he's not I wouldn't say Rutherford has failed. He just hasn't really set the world on fire yet mm -hmm. um, with Bailey. I'd like to see him stateside, you know, with a full full season league affiliate and see what he can do before, you know, he jumps into the top 10. Yeah, a lot of interesting uh, DSL guys for sure, but I mean, already at six foot four and two hundred fifteen pounds, sure. I mean, that's that's a big guy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I heard Carlos Lee comps on him, and uh, ooh, and he has uh, he crushes the ball. His teammates told me that uh, when he does BP, it's quite a show, and it mm -hmm. said it looks like it's very Aaron Judge like when he hits the ball in BP. Ooh, don't say things like that. Jeez. <sighs> All right, David, you're up. Next question. All right. Um, 
So, so one guy I've noticed scrolling down a little bit further here, down to 21, you got Zach Birdie. You know, I remember he was going into the draft that year, and he was going to be one of the fastest risers, you know, power reliever. And, you know, he, he had, unfortunately, Tommy John, which, you know, really kind of pushed him back. And now he's at 25. And, you know, he, he's, you know, made made his big league debut, but... You know, do, do you think he's still got the, the closer potential um, or do you think he's maybe just kind of more of a seventh, eighth inning uh, kind of guy? Well, being as how we just signed Liam Hendricks, I don't think anyone has a closer potential. Until that. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, but, you know, you can never have enough good arms. And if he can work his way into a seventh or eighth inning role, you know, they're they're pretty loaded at the back end of the pen now. Um it always makes for a potential uh, trade candidate and an abundance is always a good thing to have. One guy that caught my attention here at number 28, Brian Ramos outfielder. He was actually mentioned on the athletic, the most underrated prospects. They did one per system and he was mentioned for the white Sox. So he's a guy that's widely available. I'm in a, a huge dynasty league and he was available. Is he a guy we should keep an eye on or is the athletic not know what they're talking about? No, 100% you have to keep an eye on him. He was in the DSL as a 17-year-old, and he was holding his own, and then some. And then he went to a – and then he also was doing well at, at Arizona at the uh, at the White Sox Rookie League um, team. So he was ready for full-season ball, and he's a teenager, and he's not striking out in abundance, and – He's definitely one to watch. He can shoot up this list. Next year, he could be in the top 10. Well, uh, the, there's one guy that, that's kind of catching my eye um, down here in, in Tier 4 as well, and that's Alex Destino. I mean, he, he's only been at uh, you know high A as his highest level, but I mean, he's, he's 25 years old, getting a bit up there in age for for a prospect, but I mean, he was, you know, a big guy in, in high school and college uh, team USA and just kind of seems like it's been, you know, a little bit of slow development for him. Hasn't it? Well, he was a primary pitcher in high school and he was dominant. He was on the 18 and under team USA team as a pitcher. And they had uh, five first rounders on that team, five first round pitchers. And he was as good as Flaherty, um, trying to remember all the first rounders but uh cole tucker was on that team flaherty was on that team um and three other guys and uh he was a dominant left-handed pitcher there uh they actually beat moncada and robert in one of their games um Hmm. but uh then you know he went to south carolina and they switched him to the outfield he didn't pitch in college and uh then for some i don't know why the white Sox chose him only to put, you know, he's an SEC guy. They put him at the, at you know, the Arizona League the first first year, and then ne- the next year they followed up and sent the Great Falls for the Advanced Rookie League, um, before finally getting to Canapolis his third season, and then of course, COVID, everybody got a year older and nobody got to develop, so now you know that 25 looks like a, a big number for a guy that's only reached high A, but uh, got a cannon for an arm. He's got a strong left-handed bat with huge power, so he has potential for sure. Another guy I think we like to mention a lot are are these high draft picks that kind of never mounted to anything, and there is a perfect example of that with number 43, Alec 
Hansen is uh should we be giving up on him is there any hope going for uh this young man already 26 now well he has the stuff I mean he throws hard he has great secondary stuff but when after he had uh after he missed the whole season in I believe it was 20 2018 um or nearly the whole season he has not been the same guy he's walking nine per nine and uh mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that age, that kind of command, I would say that, you know, the window is rapidly closing. But if you would have asked me after 2017, oh, yeah. I told you I was more thrilled about him than any other pitcher in the system. So maybe the right coach can can get him ironed out mechanically and straighten out his release and give him a consistency. And But, uh, you know, you, you said it about right. Yeah, that that was the uh, Alec Hansen was the guy I was just about to mm-hmm. to ask about next too. Because I mean, I was looking at his stats. Yeah, in 2018, in 51 and a third innings, he had 59 walks. Like that, that's just unheard of. It, absolutely absurd. Um, but yeah, Hansen, like he, he was a big guy coming out of the draft. Um, he, he's a big guy in general, six seven, two thirty five, just um, big pitcher. Um, he yeah, he, he might be a, a change of scenery candidate. I mean, 26 years old might need to, you know, get get something a little bit different. Yeah, for a guy that is as big as he is, he does not look gangly at all. He looks very athletic, I, and he his mechanics were pretty free and easy. I don't remember him ever being an overthrower. I don't know where this uh, where this came from. I mean, he always had command issues, but it seemed like. 2016, 2017, he had that figured out, and that popped up and got him after that. Well, let's just do one more. I think we have to mention this guy at number 46, Elijah Tatis. Uh, is it the name only for him right now? Uh, what do you What do you have to tell us about this fascinating uh, younger brother of my guy, Tatis? I haven't seen him play, of course, and if you look at his uh, – Listed height and weight, he's very small. I think he's listed at uh, 155 pounds. But I did read some stuff on him that said uh, that his father said he was more of a natural at shortstop than his older brother, who, of course, is one of the best players in the major leagues now, arguably the best. Um, But based on his DNA, I would say he's certainly one worth watching, and I'm looking forward to seeing him you know, progress through the ranks and see what we have. But right now, you know, the stats were uh, pretty pedestrian and uh, he's got room to grow. But, you know, based on the name alone, he's interesting and worth watching. Absolutely. Wonderful. Great stuff there. This is towards the end of the list now. And I wanted to give you an opportunity to mention as many players as you would like within a reasonable amount of time uh, that we may have missed when we went down your list here sleeper a guy we have to know about anybody at all that you wanted to mention here as we wrap up our segment sure um tyler osick is a kid that um i really like he's an unbelievable unbelievably hard-working kid um his father was a keith osick who played in the pirates organization and did uh he was kind of a journeyman catcher but played 10 years in the mlb um tyler is like his father and that he was a late round draft pick and that he's a grinder, but he has a really impressive bat. And they moved him from the outfield. He was an outfield first baseman early in his uh, minor league time. 
and they moved him to his dad's position, which is catcher. And he has a bat that can move him through the system quickly as long as he can handle the, the defensive um, requirements of the position. So I really like Tyler Osick as a guy to keep an eye on, see if he's lighting it up with the bat wherever he starts. Um, oh, oh, go ahead, David. Sorry. I'm, I wasn't saying anything. Oh, okay. sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, that's perfect time. That means we're probably out of uh, content here. But da uh, Daniel, I wanted to thank you for coming on. That was really, really insightful. These are some high-end prospects. You gave us some of the, the sleepers as well. So really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Um, I think that's going to do it for us here today. Uh, David and I are going to come back and wrap up things. But Daniel, I wanted to say again, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me, guys. I appreciate it. All right. David and I will be right back after this to uh, recap everything and sign off. That's going to do it for us here on Futures Focus. I am Alex Sanchez and David Gasper, my co-host. Thank you, David, for coming on and giving us some insight on that Brewers system. Any last thoughts for the Brewers? Yeah, I just think it was kind of interesting. We, we had a little bit of, you know, polar opposites there with uh, Daniel and the White Sox system and, and my Brewers system. Brewers all stocked up on on talent down in the lower levels while the White Sox have you know, pretty strong system and a lot of guys just about big league ready. So it's just kind of interesting contrast with the two systems. And yeah, Brewers are, are, are up and coming and the White Sox are pretty much already there. Yeah, they're ready to start making some noise at the big league level. That's that's pretty pretty cool observation there. I agree with it 100%. Very good contrast for these two systems. So keep checking in on the site, prospects1500.com. We have a new top 50 every day this week. My Padres are coming out soon, so check that out. We'll probably talk about them next week. And be sure to catch us both on Twitter and follow Prospects 1500, all that good stuff. But for now, we're going to go ahead and sign off. Thanks for listening and enjoy until next time.